But can you imagine going from grocery store to grocery store, buying like shit pile of food, putting it in your backpack, and then going to a handicapped washroom in a shopping mall, eating it all and throwing it out right away, and then sleeping in that washroom overnight. Hello and welcome to another episode of Bunny Hugs and Mental Health. I am your host, Todd Runnebaum. Boy, is this episode a doozy. I'm speaking with the amazing Agatha, and she's super, super vulnerable and honest, and I can't, I can't say enough about how much I appreciate her being that way. Uh, and she applied to be made for a mental illness, uh, made standing for medical assistance dying, uh, euthanasia, they used to call it. Uh, in Canada, uh, they had for a trial run, like two years, I think, of testing and thinking about it, um, having uh, made for mental illnesses. And uh, it, the bill passed in January. Uh, Agata applied. And then about a month later, before she found out uh, the results, Canada kind of put a pause on it again. Uh, I guess there was a lot of, a lot of people concerned, um, me being one of them. Uh, so anyway, she, I'm, I'm going to talk to her about why she applied and yeah, talk about her, her struggles. Uh, she suffers with anorexia. Uh, I mean, extremely so. And, uh, yeah, we talk about anorexia, suicidal thoughts and, and maid. But before we get into the episode, I also want to talk about next week's episode. Um, that's with John Cerrone and he is a host of the podcast, Feel Free. And it's also a, uh, mental health kind of recovery just general wellness kind of podcast and uh yeah it's, he's a super great guy so yeah we're going to be talking about uh, his recovery journey and his podcast and stuff so uh, oh he's also an author going to be talking about his book uh so that's next week this week on instagram live i don't ha- i don't have anyone lined up this week because i'm going on a bit of a, a trip a bit of a holiday with me and my wife getting the hell out of dodge and uh going to somewhere else so anyway, that that's I'm looking forward to that. But the following Monday, I'll I'll be doing Instagram Live again. Um, I'm not exactly sure yet who I'll be speaking with, but you can follow me on Instagram, Bunny Hugs Podcast, and tune in to uh, those live Instagram Live things. Oh, you can also follow me on Facebook at Bunny Hugs and Mental Health, and on TikTok, Bunny Hugs Podcast. And please just just pause the podcast right now, rate and review if you're listening on Apple or whatever app you're listening to this on. If you want to do me a favor, I mean, this is a free podcast. I get amazing guests on sharing and being vulnerable and open. The the best way you could support me right now is just rate and review this podcast. Uh, it would be much appreciated. Uh, anyway, anyway, back to this episode with Agata. There are parts of this uh, interview that you might feel uncomfortable with. Um, so just be a little leery of that. I mean, we're all adults here. We all, you know, it's a mental health podcast. We all know what we're talking about here. So... So, you know, uh, so anyway, uh, without further ado, I gave you a gata. This may sound kind of, uh, but this is just me being brutally honest. If you ever go to one of those all-you-can-eat places and you see somebody sitting there, like, single, I don't know, I assume they would be alone, uh, going back and forth to the washroom and just piling on food like there's no tomorrow. They're binging? Yeah. And that, that used to be me, actually, as well. I used to do that. I, I now am so afraid of going to even just a restaurant. I will not step, not step foot foot into one just because of that. In any restaurant? 
in any restaurant, it just brings horrific, like it just brings back so many bad memories. And um, yeah, Hmm. I will go with my parents if they take me like to Earl's or something. Hmm. Uh, But I can't go on my own. And I probably wouldn't be able to go with um, like in a social gathering. With one person, I could probably go like, but not in a social setting. And, And you can go with your parents because you wouldn't you wouldn't go to the bathroom i no i would feel more relaxed like i would feel um kind of because they know they know the stress that i am under they understand so if i sit there and don't eat or if i just eat a little bit they won't they won't question it mm. um so something that i've always struggled with is uh and and that's why i i I, I don't have friends. Like I honestly am, I feel like a social outcast because I, any sort of social gathering or social event, I have to tell whomever or the people that I will be with, you know, like I should just print something out and get them to them and sign this off. You understand and you won't bother me because uh-huh. it's, it's ridiculous. Like it's very, um, I'm not ashamed. Mm-hmm. It's just, it gets tiresome after a while. Because a lot of people, they think they understand, but they really don't. Does, do eating disorders run in your family at all or anxiety? They do. Yeah, they do. Uh, So something that I went through when I was 16 and I, and I didn't, I didn't know this up until then was um, they did um, the children's hospital at the, um, in Alberta, the Alberta Children's Hospital in Calgary. Uh, They did it. They did what was called genetic counseling. So they, they did like a gene, I don't know, analysis of mine or whatever. Um, and it came out that there is a lineage. Uh, there was a predisposition to kind of uh, uh, mental health disorders. Um, and then I remembered my grandma on my dad's side um, being very weird. Or to me, it wasn't weird. But now looking back at it, it was weird around food. She was extremely slim. And uh, on my mom's side, uh, I know her brother's uh, schizophrenia. Uh, schizophrenia. Mm. And my mom suffers from clinical, like having just uh, bipolar or depression um, for a long time. So. Oh, okay. So, yeah. yeah so I've kind of, I've kind of avoid, for me, it's really the eating disorder and my depression, but I believe that my depression is really linked to my eating disorder. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing too, is my eating disorder has never been um, because of poor body image or because I wanted to fit some sort of a ideal form. Mm-hmm. Um, never like that. I've never seen myself as fat or as it's just my eating disorder just, defines who I am as a person and that's why I I kept it <laughs> you've decided to keep it I've decided to keep it as a friend yeah huh. a friend that's that's always there no matter what and, and what do your parents think of of you wanting to be made uh so my dad found out and he was like he's a very uh um, realistic person, a very analytical guy, like very math, math whiz. So he's like, he completely understood. He just, he, you know, he, I think he was a little sad, but to him, uh, the rationale behind it makes sense. And thus he knows 
uh, he knows the suffering that I've been through all my life. Um, and he understood. Um, and I believe that he told my mom. My mom would I would never tell her. Mm. My mom, uh, she hasn't talked to me about it. I think she's kind of in disbelief. Maybe she just wants, she just, I don't know. I mean, um, she's the sort of person that, um, and again, brutally honest, when um, I told that my brother uh, sexually molested me when I was like six or, or like really young, um, she thought that I was on, that I was taking drugs. So I, she doesn't kind of process things well. She processes them. She processes things after the fact, and she kind of makes her own stories. She makes beliefs. Um, so I find I have to be very careful what I tell her or what I don't tell her because if I, if I kind of predisposition a, a subject, she dwells on it and she just runs it in her head and makes adds content to it to make it fit to her ideal right. thoughts. So she's kind of in denial and she also then s suffers more herself. Yeah, yeah. Because of her empathy for you. Yeah, yeah. She I know she blames herself mm. a lot. Uh she really blames herself. Um and for certain things, uh, and I don't wanna be a bit can I swear a yep. bitch about it. Yep. Um, but I think for certain things she should blame herself. Mm. Um Obviously, I don't blame herself, her for my eating disorder, but there are certain things in my life that have just uh, compounded my 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 pain because of her. Hmm. Um, and uh, so the only other person that knows is my brother. And I just kind of briefly told him we had a lukewarm relationship. He lives in Germany. Um, and I told him and he pretty much told me to take a pill. Hmm. Like, okay. Does he deny sexually assaulting you? I haven't told him. Uh, I don't know if he remembers. Um, I I think my dad may have told him, may have asked him about it. Um, but I, I I I moved past it. Like it's not something that um, uh, one thing. And I don't know if it's because of that or if it's because of my eating disorder. But. <laughs> I'm still a virgin. Hmm. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. So I've had maybe one or two relationships kind of just, you know, like going out on dates mm -hmm. and that's about it. I've never been sexually active. Is that, um, is that something you're ashamed of? Yeah. Being 40, 43. Yeah. Hmm. Well, I, I know people older than you that are virgins. Really? Can you hook me up? <laughs> maybe because <laughs> that's the one thing so that's that's something that i really struggle is is with i really would like to have some sort of intimacy in my life have a partner but i'm so afraid um i've tried plenty of fish and i've and i've actually told a couple like after a few dates i've told a person you know like i am afraid i don't want a sexual relationship at the moment and it just it just got completely sweet like it would just it's just turned into something completely different like and i didn't feel comfortable so i i canceled that so maybe maybe uh i should start up a website uh plenty of fish for virgins i don't know 
uh, it is very difficult nowadays like to find somebody and and it's not about the sex necessarily it's, it's about the intimacy with another person yeah like i, I know how to, i would know how to be intimate but i'm afraid of because as a woman ages <laughs> yeah. something i learned um as a woman ages um the muscles change and it can actually be a very painful experience, like very extremely painful if he or she has not, or I guess if she, because a male would be a little bit different, but um, if she has not been sexually active before, because it's a muscle, right? right? It's, yeah. Well, I, I just, I just did completely a, of the main topic, but that's okay. No, no. I mean, it, it's, it's all combined because it, it's a, it's right. I'm, I'm struck. I'm, I'm seeking acceptance. And I think that's something that would help me. Mm -hmm. um with my eating disorder and the fact that i want to pursue like made i want made to have just to just to have there as an option um many people on the other spectrum of who are under, on the other tier of made who are who are eligible choose made and they usually have some sort of a date or a plan in mind i have a plan but i don't have a date and that date can never, could also never come. Right. Well, I was going to say, actually, I, I did a, an episode about sex and mental health. The lady that uh, I talked to about it, she's a like a feminine pleasure coach. And okay. You, you never know, she might be able to help you out in some way. Yeah. Or she's got all types of, I don't know. Yeah, let me know what, how I can tune into that. I would love to, I would love to listen to that later. Sure, yeah, and I could, uh, maybe I'll give her your, your email? Yeah. Would you? Yeah. Okay. You were, did you kind of get your hopes up when made, like the bill passed that made yeah. for mental health? I was really, um, it was the one time in a long time that I felt alive. Mm -hmm. I felt really, like I felt this huge, just stone lifting of my shoulders because, um, to me, it's a little bit kind of like a way of harm reduction, right? So um, me living alone and, um, you know, have I thought about suicide? I, I Yes, I have. Have I thought, I, have I Googled how to? Yes, I have. Mm -hmm. uh, and by the way, anytime you, you Google something like this, it usually comes, comes up to some website saying, so you're contemplating suicide. Why are you contemplating, you know, like trying to divert you? But mm -hmm. um, anyways, um, so I may, you know, today I might sound a little bit different. Today is a, it's a good day. I want to say it's like the snow. Um, but there's days where I can wake up and just sit and stare at the wall and let time go by. Like that's true. It's not, um, it's it's literal, literal. Like I'll sit in my bed and I'll just stare at the wall and I'll cry for no reason, completely feeling numb and like I can't move. I feel frozen. I can't move. I want to do stuff, but I can't. Like I just don't want to. I don't feel like it, and I and I don't know what to do first. And I'll sit there contemplating, and you know, an hour goes by, two hours, and and then. The eating disorder kicks in because I get hungry and I shove everything inside and I purge everything to get all my emotions down the drain. Mm. That's what it's like. Mm. Um, so to me, that's pain. That's no way of living, living life. No way. 
and I don't wish that on anybody. Like it's worse if I I I would take physical pain no matter how great, um, any day instead of this. Hmm. And I have to sidetrack again. Physical pain. I pulled out my own teeth. These teeth, mm-hmm. they're fake. Mm. They're like an impl- big implant. They're not a denture, but they're. I had this surgery over. It was over fifty thousand dollars. Damn. Plus another twenty five. Plus another twenty seven. So yeah, I could have bought a, a you know a house with what I paid for this, and it's not covered by healthcare or insurance because it's considered cosmetic. It's like getting a boot job. Uh. So that's something I financial kind of burden. I'm I've uh, and I overcame that. I I managed. Um, but I was in so much pain, I was losing my teeth that I actually took a nail filer and I dagged my own back teeth out because I was in so much pain. So I would take that pain as opposed to this pain any day, because at least physical pain, I know that I can do something to alleviate it. This I have no control over. It's I can wake up one day and feel like shit. The other day can be, I can wake up and feel completely okay. Um, was the, yeah. the teeth, was that from purging so much that the stomach yeah. acid ruins your teeth? Yeah. Yeah. I can I'll, actually, after this, I can email you some pictures, Oh, but, uh, I don't eat before, before them. No, you um, know what? Don't, don't send them. Yeah. That's okay. No, no, that's all right. <laughs> yeah. There were just, um, there was nothing left on my teeth. Like they were like little tiny teeth and they were just falling out. They were so, my, my gums were so infected. If you've ever had like a throbbing toothache, mm-hmm. I walked around with this for about a year before I acted because I was so afraid to go to the dentist. Um, and I didn't realize that um, it was actually very dangerous for my heart because of the the vein underneath your tongue, I guess is the largest exposed vein. So anytime you have an infection in your mouth, it can actually penetrate, penetrate your bloodstream through that vein underneath your tongue. So, yeah. So anyways, so that pain, so going back to made, um, and it being a harm reduction. Um, so there's people, you know, there's these harm reduction clinics that they have for, for people. Um, to me, that's, that's made for me. That's made is that harm reduction place for me because it gives me, it's, it's a solution to a problem that I know cannot be solved. And I don't want anybody trying to fix me because I don't want to be fixed. I'm done. Like I, um, going from doctor to doctor, counselor to counselor, filling up your day with appointments, sounding like a broken record each time. Is that quality of life? Seriously? Like I, to me, that's almost like fulfilling some sort of a mandate that a doctor or clinical physician may have in terms of, you know, they need to, they're there to cure somebody or but sometimes the person doesn't want to be cured anymore I'm, I'm past that age maybe if I was 12 and if I had the right treatment maybe if people accepted me when I was 12 13 and 14 and six more up to 16 maybe things would be different now but I've never been accepted Every, everywhere I've turned to people always 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 try to change me and I don't I don't want to be changed I'm happy with who I am um the eating disorder has made me who I am and it has some qualities to it that are actually positive because um I I'm very um I'm very intuitive and there's things about me 
that helped that you know are bene- benefited me in my job, for example, like being very very detailed, uh, noticing like the smallest minute things, um, having a good way of comprehension, uh, kind of doing math in my head, for example. I, I have a lot of different kind of brain skills. You say you're you're happy being the way you are. Yeah. But at the same time, you're also so depressed that you want to be made. Yeah. That yeah. It's be- kind of a. I'm ha- so I'm ha- I'm happy with my decision, and I'm happy with what I've been able to accomplish despite the eating disorder. Because I've never had I've never been on like social assistance or anything like that. I've always managed to maintain full time employment. I have a more I have a house. I. I I bought and sold several properties, and that's how I paid for my my dental work. Because I managed to make a little bit of money each time I sold. Um, and I've always been independent. I've never had anybody helping me with anything. Um, but I want made because I'm exhausted. I'm exhausted, and I'm exhausted of always trying to prove myself to others, and not having that purpose in life. Um, when I chose made. Um, and I knew that maid was available. One of the, I had my job, so I had a purpose of waking up every morning. But I also had this additional um, kind of objective now in my life, wanting to help others or wanting to to give what I can while I still can, or for for indefinite. Because I again, I didn't have a, I don't have a maid date. I don't want like a year, maybe five, 10, 15, 20 years from now. I don't know. Maybe I'll just die naturally. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, but so that's that, that gave, that gave me kind of an out. Um, and again, going back to it being harm reduction is so I live alone, right? I don't have any, anybody. Uh, so I'm not really hurting anybody by suicide if I were to commit suicide. But then I look at it from the fact that somebody's eventually going to find me, or even if it is, you know, just a paramedic that comes in and sees me. Do I want that on my conscience? Do I want? It? That's one of the things that is preventing me from taking my life. If if I ever, if I if that thought comes to mind, is I don't want to leave that chaos and that that sight for somebody to see. Right. Made is. Kind of it, it leave, it's leaving leaving on your own terms and it brings that closure to your life have you have you applied i have applied Were you uh, and it's no it's oh. it's still in process I and see. it's now on hold because right because they, of the yeah. yeah yeah the one thing the ironic part of that was that um when the news came out that uh, tier two was going to be on hold, put on hold, I called the nurse practitioner here in Regina, and she told me, "I wish, I wish she had it. I wish I had this via email because I would, I would have forwarded that, that to somebody." Um, but uh, she said that during the time that I saw a psychiatrist here in Regina, and it was only a couple times mm-hmm. because I've never mentioned the word suicide. I would. Chances are that my application process would be a lot longer than as opposed to somebody who, you know, who has had these those suicidal thoughts. Well, if you're in a doctor's office, if you say anything about suicide, chances are they're not going to let you leave that office, right? And again, you don't want that help. 
So if they wouldn't let you leave the office, they'd probably take you to the hospital and you'd be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you just, that, that, I mean, that is exhausting. I've been in the psych ward after a suicide attempt and it's really just a holding place for you to be safe. There's no real treatment or anything there, right? It's just. Yeah, uh, um, just you and your thoughts and more. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Have you had uh, stays at the hospital? No, never. No. No, I've hmm. only been hospitalized one as a result of my eating disorder. And that was after I had an assessment. And they're like, oh, my God, you're going to die tomorrow because of, of your weight. You got to go to the hospital. And I went to the Foothills Hospital in Calgary. And I remember they had no beds. <laughs> so I ended up being in, like, uh, the emergency kind of like a holding place like where they have the beds and where you're waiting for a doctor. Yeah. So I was there for, I remember one night and then they brought me up to uh, like people who are on their last lifeline, like old, like old, oh, um, um, elderly. I don't know what that word was. Uh, it was yeah. like really old people, like really, really old. Yeah. I can't think of the word either right now. <laughs> uh, hospice, like almost yes. like hospice type of thing. Um, and I and they left me there for one night, and I'm just undone. Like that was more uh, traumatizing than anything. And I left. Um, I was over over 18 I'm, at that point, and I left. So you have yeah, tried. That's the only you have tried treatments and medications and stuff, and you just you're done with them. Not really. Not really. I've, well, oh. I've attempted. So I've attempted psychiatry, psychi- psychologist, psychiatrist, mm-hmm. uh, but they all. It seemed to me like they all have some sort of a guide, book guide that they go by. You know, if patient does this, do that. If patient does that, do this. Yeah. But it never really seemed to apply. Hmm. Like I, I would go, I remember this one psychiatrist lady, she's like, oh, you got to practice self-care and, you know, do something nice for yourself and, you know, take a walk. Like, fuck's sakes. Like, hmm. Go for a walk. Yeah, like just stupid things, and I'm like, lady, if you knew what I've been, what I've done with this eating disorder, you would seriously, you would, you would, you would not believe, you would not believe. Like, yeah, can you imagine going, um, not proud moments, and that's probably, <laughs> well, going back to like dating and stuff. I'd probably not disclose this to anybody because they would probably think I'm weirdo. I am weird. <laughs> Me too. Um, but ca- can you imagine going from grocery store to grocery store, buying like shit pile of food, putting it in your backpack, and then going to a handicapped washroom in a shopping mall, eating it all and throwing it up right away, and then sleeping in that washroom overnight? Can you ma- Can you even fathom that? Like, can you? Nope. Yeah. Well, maybe if you went for a walk, that would help. <laughs> Around the mall, no. no? Yeah, no, that was, uh, those were a <laughs> couple of, yeah, or. Uh, get a makeover. No? Yeah, that get, would a, help? yeah get a makeover. <laughs> or, or, for example, driving from fast food restaurant to fast food restaurant, and you're eating the shit as you're driving to, like, the other fast food restaurant, hmm. and having a bag, like a plastic bag in your car and throwing up in that plastic bag and then, <laughs> and then um, driving with that plastic bag and showing it up. Hmm. 
not not on like a highway or cars behind you, but like so if you ever drove on like a side street and you saw like a shit shit pile of something that just didn't look right, that could have been me. That could have been the shit that I threw out the window. <laughs> like seriously, I, I, like I can't tell you if you're know? laughing or crying. I don't know. I'm just both yeah no my no no i'm not quite i'm quite no no i'm laughing because it's kind of common like i see if i told this to a psychiatrist do you think they would let me leave that office like they would... <laughs> i have no idea i have no idea <laughs> <laughs> like and one thing too is um i'm so trained um with my eating so i'm anorex I, I i'm i'm classified as anorexic because i don't eat but when i eat i throw up so i'm so trained that when I do eat, I can hold the food in my stomach. I don't know. I've never, I never tested it, but I, I can hold it for for a while, and just throw it up. And I've never used. I only use my stomach muscles. All right. So is this still like an everyday thing for you, binging, and or do you ever have a normal day where you just kind of eat and move on? No. Every day. Every day. Every day. The only time that I didn't. That I didn't, and it's not always binge and purge, but it's always purge. Oh, okay. It's either binge, binge and purge, or eat and purge, or don't eat. I see. Um. So, I um, the last time that I didn't was last year, and it was for two days only, only two days when I when I visited my parents, and my dad being the smart person that he is mm -hmm. he preoccupied me so we ate and then he just okay we're going outside for a walk and we're doing this and we're doing that and we're doing that so you walk helped yeah yeah but it was you know it was being with him <laughs> yeah. and he knew that and when i told when i told him that i didn't that day he cried like mm. i've never seen my dad cry he cried because he knew how 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 much energy that took for me not to do it and did it take the energy or, or was it because yeah. you were distracted? The thought was there because it's such a learned, it's like a learned. It's like an addiction, I guess, almost. It's not a, it's it's just a learned motion. Like it's, mm. it's like breathing. It's not a habit anymore. It's, it's like, it's like breathing. It's, it's intuitive. Um, so, you know, try to hold your breath right. five hours. It's almost like a reflex. Yeah, it, yeah, it is. It's it's automatically. It's like you eat and, and throw up. There's no you eat. Hmm. It's you eat and throw up. I mean, that's that's it's one term. Mm -hmm. Do you think if you had a mate and you had intimacy and stuff, that would improve everything? Or I, I that's maybe oversimplifying it. Maybe no. I think it would make. I think it would make. It would be better quality it, of life, I guess. It would be a better. It would. It, it would potentially drive me to. Um, I can tell you that after those two days that I was with my dad, that's because I spent a lot of time with him. Mm -hmm. Um, I kind of rational rationalized the thought that it is possible not to, not you know, to change with the right individuals around me because my dad knows my eating disorder. He knows about it. And if I choose to go to the washroom after I eat, he, I mean, he's okay with it. Like he, he knows why. Mm -hmm. uh, so I don't need anybody to hold my hair. I have no hair to hold while I, you know, purge. Mm -hmm. But I need somebody to understand that this is part of me and that it's. So he loves you. Do, 
they can't do unconditionally. Right, right, right. They, yeah, they can't they can't do anything to stop it, but they can be there for support. Right. Um, when they're there for support, I won't feel as ashamed. And then it's like a cycle. I feel ashamed, so I do it. I won't feel as ashamed, and maybe I'll have that, you know, just yeah, the quality that of life. Warmth. Yeah, like I've never been hugged. Well, I don't remember the last time. I, maybe when I visited my parents, that's when last time I was hugged. But other than that, I'm not like yeah. It's where do your parents live? Uh, they're in Kelowna. Oh, okay. Hmm. Yeah. Have you considered moving there? I have, but it's ridiculously expensive to find a place. Right. Um, and I could live with my parents, but just my mom and I, it would just kill us both. So, <laughs> right. um, yeah, it would not be a happy place. Hmm. Um, um, yeah, so. I, I did a, an episode on MAID, and I talked to a Dr. Sanu Gand, and he's one of the doctors that are, he's not pro made for mental health to be honest with you i'm i'm not either but i haven't really talked to someone that wants to be made yet either so i'm kind of you know i can be i could be swayed over um or persuade over um i guess my biggest thing is i i know people that would probably be dead right now that did end up recovering from their mental health issues mental illnesses um and so that's my biggest concern with May for mental illness is it's, uh, what am I trying to say? I think you know what I'm trying to say. If you make it a law, then there could be potential for people yeah. to, to take yeah, their you're lives. Taking, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's kind of, yeah, I know what you mean. It's, it's, you're taking out, you're, you're taking away from society something that could potentially be a benefit, like another human being and do, that human being could potentially do something great right. for society. Yeah somebody who's really struggling something who's who's really in pain and those are my days when i'm really struggling and in pain mm-hmm. um at least i still have the conscious capacity to you know not to take my own life because i wouldn't want to um i'm afraid of that would what that would be like anyways but why not give these individuals an option to do it in a safe manner um another thing too is is I would really like to donate my organ, my organs, my brain, my everything to research. Hmm. So what am I supposed to do? Like, so that takes away from that option, right? Right. And again, then, you know, taking one's life. Um, and yeah, I don't have any, many people around me, but I wouldn't want to leave that with them. Like I, I wouldn't want to leave on that, those terms and have them question whether or not they should have done something. Mm-hmm. Um, I I don't think I would be able to rest in peace. Right. And that's something that May would allow me to do is rest in peace and have a, have closure, have that. Yeah, um, it is very complex because, yeah, because I also agree with what you're saying there. So it's, yeah, yeah it's. So it, an, I, another, yeah, one one more factor that comes into play in my situation is, is that, so, I know there's physical impacts. My health, my health is is compromised because of my eating disorder and the years of my eating disorder. Mm-hmm. I know that my kidneys are slowly failing. Mm-hmm. Um, I have heart palpitations. I have memory loss. Uh, I sometimes um, 
lose the ability to speak what I want to say. Mm. So it's almost like a um, like brain fog, almost, or great, not brain fog, but it's it's a. I did a little bit, bit, little bit of reading, and I know a lot of the stuff that you read online is kind of you know, um, but um, prolonged depression can actually lead to dementia. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm afraid that's something that's in my future and I try to keep my brain active, but you know, um, that's what it is. Um, mm-hmm. that's one of the reasons why I was fired from my job. Actually. Um, I was fired. Like I was fired because I didn't, um, to them, it was, um, being this, me being deceitful because I came to work despite not being well, I was struggling through, through with my mental health. It was a, like a month's time where I was really, really struggling on a daily basis. And I was at work not doing anything. Hmm. And I wasn't communicating. So things were, my managers thought that things were getting done where they weren't. I had one warning. So I'm like, okay, you know, I messed up. I had two second warning and a third warning, I was fired. Hmm. Um, but yet I couldn't prove that it was because of my mental health. And I didn't even bother trying to escape that. Um, so obviously I didn't get employment insurance, by the way, because you were fired Yeah, being employed all my years, ever since I was able to get a job, I've always been employed. I've never, I've never had this long time without a job. So it's her, it's, it's another stress factor and it's not, I wouldn't choose me because of financial struggles. Let's just say that. Mm-hmm. No. So anyways, going back to the physical impacts of eating disorder, I know that there's things down the road that I, that are that are there, that I just need to, that that will come eventually. Mm. And I want to apply for me now to have that because I don't want to be in a state of not being able to communicate what I want, um, especially with my loss of memory and inability to sometimes speak properly. I want to have that in place ahead of time before I'm in that state. And I don't want to be a I don't want to be a burden on, you know, the healthcare system. I see. I don't so, want to be that. Yeah. So so in a way, because made for physical ailments, there's usually not a big problem except for maybe people that are out of like religious issues and yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so they say if your disease or your physical ailment is irreversible, or there's irre irre I can't say the word irremediable. Something like that. Yeah, something. Yeah, and it's and you can't and it's inevitable that you are going to pass. Yes. Then yes. Yeah. And so you're saying with, even though you're having mental health issues, your body is also failing. So in a way, yeah, it's kind yeah. of a combination of both. Yeah, but then again, so I'm the sort of person where I will not go to a doctor unless I really, really have to, and I usually just go for like doctor's notes or doctor's forms or some shit like that. Yeah. They don't really know what's going on. Only I know what's going on. And I know stuff is going on. Like, yeah, yeah. I know what stuff is going on. So you're kind of done trying. Yeah, I'm done trying. Because I, there's, why should I have to prove to somebody what I know about my body? And why should I prove to somebody? How can I, how can I clearly portray the severity of my pain to somebody? Like, how, how? And I'm going to stab them with scissors in their hand and say, like, this is what it feels like on a daily basis. But in the brain? Yeah. Yeah. And, like, it's almost, to me, that whole application process on tier two would be, like, 
going in front of some tribunal, people who don't know you, who's, who don't know shit about you, and stripping naked and just, this is me. Please approve made for me. Mm-hmm. And they're just checking off tick boxes. She does, yes, 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 yes. Okay, you're approved. Mm-hmm. Is it, yeah, I don't know how that works. Is it a case by case thing, or do you have to? I don't know, and I think it. I, I think it ranges. Honestly, I think it also ranges between provinces. I suppose because the experience that I've had here with that nurse practitioner mm-hmm. was horrible. So so disorganized. So like, excuse my language, but fucking like a team of people who don't know sh- who don't communicate with each other or who are like a broken telephone line. One says something to another and. The other one adds another word, makes it different. And it was just, it was, I wouldn't even want to go through that. I would actually, if once made is up again next year, I'm actually going to go, I'm going to consider moving to another province to apply for made. Is there other provinces that are better at, or like, maybe not better, but they're more willing. they They have a good system in place. They have a, even if you if you go here in Saskatchewan and you go on the website on the Saskatchewan Health website and you search for MAID, it's like a revolving, it just brings it's a loop. It has no no kind of relevant or useful information other than just vague shit information. And I'm not sure what it says there now, but mm-hmm. it was just um at one point I remember it was um to see there was a link there like to see uh application or to see some details more details click here so you click on that and it brings you back to the first page and it, you go right. like, yeah. it just you know and i actually told i i emailed that to to sask health and they're like oh we're working on it um, do you think they're doing that on purpose <laughs> i think so i think i think they don't have a i, I think they're i think the health care system try to put something in place like a team of nurse practitioners to have to meet the demands of the government, like just to have something in place, right? We're rolling out this program, figure something out, have it in place, whatever that may look like. I don't think there's a standard that they fall. Maybe there is a standard, but it, the standard is so broad that they can, that it's not very useful depending on who actually, who the team is. Um, I know I participated in, um, there's a, uh, organization called Dying with Dignity. Mm-hmm. I participated in several of their workshops, and there was a, a team group kind of meeting that I took part in over the summer. We we met on a day on a weekly basis, and it was individuals there who were who were either approved from aid, going through the process. There was two individuals there who actually passed away during the course of the group meetings, like they they had their maid date. Um, and they were all from Ontario, and it seemed like the process there was a lot more humane, a lot more, uh, a lot more understanding. Was this for physical or mental? Um, there was a couple there that were approved for mental, hmm. um, and a couple of there that were um, for physical. The ones that passed on were physical. There was more than four people, like those nine or ten individuals altogether. And I'm not sure if you've heard of um, a lady out of Vancouver. There was she was in the news where she took where she made her last day. Her name was Jennifer. Um, if you Google woman in Vancouver choosing maid or woman in BC choosing maid, I'm sure she'll come up. She was a friend of mine, and um, she uh, 
she struggled with mental health, her maid was approved based on, on her physical ailment or her physical degrade, like she was degrading quite quickly. She had um, muscular disease. So I heard a different doctor that was pro-maid uh, for mental health. Uh, she mentioned that a lot of people that apply for maid, and of course I'm not sure, I think she was in Ontario, they end up finding other uh, supports for these people. And, mm-hmm. and I'm like, well, why is it that you have to get to the point that you're asking to be killed to get to finally get these supports? Yeah. It's like maybe instead of made, maybe we just put a lot more supports out there for people and have better services. Yeah. Like it, it's, it's so frustrating to me. Yeah, it's, it's definitely true. And it's something that's true also. So <clears throat> something that I'm not proud of is um, I have a criminal record. Hmm. I have a criminal record for stealing food. Hmm. And I didn't do it once. I didn't do it twice. Because obviously, you don't get a criminal record for doing something like this a couple of times. I did it numerous times. It was in Alberta. But only then, when I was charged with these offenses, did I get any sort of support that was somewhat helpful. Hmm. Other, other, that, other than that, I was on waiting list. And I'm still on some waiting list here in Saskatchewan. So how, how the hell, you know, somebody has to turn to crime or stealing cucumbers or soup. Yeah. Um, yeah. I was in the same kind of boat. I, my mm-hmm. doctor told me, he gave me a number to get on the waiting list for, to see a psychiatrist when I first started medication, this is like 15 years ago. And I called and, and I was told it was going to be a year's waiting list up to two years. So I just said, well, don't put me on the waiting list then. Like what's, what's the fucking point? Like <laughs> I'm feeling yeah. like this now. I don't know how I'm going to feel in two years. And then once I did have a suicide attempt, it was like, boom, I, I start seeing a psychiatrist regularly, instantly. It's like, so yeah. I have to actually attempt taking my life to actually get the supports. Yeah. Well, I remember, I remember the, the one psychiatrist that I was referred to or that I had to, I had to go to as a, as a condition to my, I, mean, I didn't, I didn't go to jail, but I had to pay like fines and then I had to do all these other community service. Mm-hmm. and all that but one of the i had to go to a forensic psychiatrist she was the one lady that actually that said to me that accepted me that told me that i'm a good person that i'm i'm okay that it's a struggle mm-hmm. she really tuned into me like she knew her shit and you could tell and then i've been to like what the ones that my doctors referred, referred me to i never just you know go for a walk do yoga and take this medication. Yeah. It gets to the point where you either try to take your life or you apply to have your life taken before you actually start getting the supports you need. And maybe not even then. Yeah. Like, like, like you said, uh, they're, they're finding that people that apply for made and are approved, that's just, just having that option. They, they start. It's, It's in, it's in their head. It's, they know they have this, it's almost like a cushion, like, Right. You know, you're falling out the window and there's a mattress at the bottom to hold you. It's almost like that. Mm-hmm. You're still going to struggle, but at least you have that mental thought that you don't have to struggle for indefinitely. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I've talked to people that are very avid against this and um, against made for mental illness. And there's like, well, why don't they just go ahead and take their own lives? And why do they have to involve everybody else and all this stuff? And, and talking to you, it's it's not so much that, like you, 
you perhaps want to die, but you don't want to take your own life. No, I must. I would be ashamed. I would be. I don't want to die like that. I do, I don't. Yeah. Um. Which I get it. That's why a lot of people die by suicide by cop. They don't want to kill themselves, but they yeah go into a a building yeah. with a gun or or um yeah they or even drug overdose because it feels like they're not actually doing it or yeah and yeah i, yeah, I get that i i i i, I kind of get it now um it's it's just still so complex i want to leave this this world knowing that the people who are still in my life understand why i'm leaving that they're not blaming themselves that they're not questioning saying oh i should have done this or should have whatever what if what if Mm-hmm. And that I can um, still do good while I leave, like, and before I leave. Um, I guess my only thing too <laughs> is, mm. so with the physical stuff, it's like, it's irreversible. Whereas mental illness, you never know what, mental illness is always irreversible. There's no proof yeah. that, and that was the one doctor, Dr. Sanu Gan's point too, and and they, like, you never know, you might find a purpose in the yeah. next year or something. And then it's like, oh, okay, well now my quality of life has improved or you start dating or something could happen that you, you don't yeah. want to get made. And then, yeah, that's, that's, that's my one argument too, I guess, against it is, but like you said too, like just because you get a date too, doesn't mean you have to do it. Yeah. Yeah. It's just there. It's almost like, I, I don't want to, it sounds really stupid, but you know, you know there's a pharmacy around the corner and you know that when you have a flu, you can go and you can buy neocitron or something. You know it's there. Mm-hmm. Kind of like that. Right, right. You don't have to go. Right. It just, it's comforting to know there's that option. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that comfort can make a difference. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. It's so weird. It's so complex. If you have a flu, if you have the flu and you say, well, I should go to a pharmacy and get something, or maybe I'll just take a, you know, warm bath with like eucalyptus, maybe that'll help as well. I don't know. Yeah. Oh man. Brains are weird. Yeah. Well, for (laughs) me, you know, like knowing that the physical deterioration is, is there, is going on. Right. Um, one thing that I really struggle is with acting on it or going to a doctor so that there's proof of it. Why the fuck should I have to prove to somebody what's going on in my body where I know full well what's going on with my body? There's always that second, second, you know, entity that needs to verify what you are going through. I mean, I guess, I mean, I, I also get that. You can't just take everyone's word for it too. <laughs> but yeah. Um, yeah, it's just weird in general, having a government involved in people's death and like, Yes, you approve. We approve. Ka-chunk. You yeah. you're okay to die. <laughs> it's it's weird. It's you, even like the death penalty to me. It's weird that the, the government's involved in who who gets to live and who gets to die. Um, so because it, because it is, it's all red tape and stuff. Like even just doing my taxes, it's like you have to constantly prove stuff. So then, with a mental illness, like the last thing I want to do is paperwork and all these questions and all these doctors and. It's just, uh, it's so complex and so weird. Yeah, yeah, it's really strange. And it's funny uh, that you mentioned, like, uh, it gets so complicated. I considered applying for long-term disability because mm-hmm. my doctor did finally fill out the report. 
And then I have to do my part online without this massive form. And I'm just like, how the fuck somebody who is on long-term disability is going to mentally or have that mental skill level to complete that form online? Mm-hmm. I don't even want to, I'm not doing it. Like I just, I'm not going to bother. I, I've been on short-term disability before for mental health reasons. And it, it makes the anxiety and the worse trying to fill up. Like I'm bad at paperwork anyway. And now you, yeah. you, you're not going to work because you have such bad anxiety, but you also have to fill out all this paperwork and worry about finances and that I check the right box on the thing. And I don't know, you know, that I mail it to the right place. And now you have to fax yeah. this here and you have to mail that there and you have to get a doctor. So it's like fucking hell. Like you want to add stress to me? <laughs> like I'm yeah. off for stress. Why are you adding more stress? But yeah. Yeah, there's no easy way around it, unfortunately. Unless you win the lottery. Yeah. But you know what? Even if I won the lottery, it wouldn't make a difference. No. It would really, and I thought about, like, it would really not, maybe it would help me financially a little bit, but it wouldn't bring me the joy that I'm looking for. So you like, if you can see this guy behind me there. Oh, you got a kitty. Yeah, that's my joy right now. Ah. Uh, yeah. That's one of the reasons to why I wouldn't my own life now because a bit of a purpose I, yeah i don't i wouldn't want somebody to take him and not know not knowing what's gonna happen yeah yeah pets are amazing and his, his name is his name is luigi um, <laughs> um he's he's from ukraine uh, really? so i adopted two cats from ukraine mario and luigi huh. um and I kept my word. So I did that. I started the application before I lost my job and it cost me an arm and a leg to bring them in because they had to travel from Ukraine to Poland, Poland to Germany, Germany to Toronto, Toronto to here. Yay. Um, and um, yeah, I kept my word. I, even though I lost my job, I still paid for that. I, commit, I made a commitment, kept it. And Mario... I named him Mario and Luigi and Mario I actually gave to a gentleman who's struggling with dementia in Saskatoon. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. I help others. I wish that somebody could help me one day. Well, my heart goes out to you. So now a throwback question. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you mentioned this way at the beginning, but um, I meant to ask then, but then I forgot. <laughs> you mentioned sure. there's some things you do kind of blame your mother for. Do you mind me asking what what what's some of the issues there trying to change me and never accepting me always being compared to somebody else mm. um never never understanding my uh my pain or what i was going through um she uh, so uh, and maybe that's good for you to know as well as because you're a parent but your kid your kids are older right yeah. uh they're 16 and 18 okay so yeah but when you're a parent of a young child and um, you're going through some sort of trauma in your life as a parent, don't hide it from the child because the child can sense what's going on. And that'll, kill, that'll, that'll do more harm than you telling them what's going on. Um, in fact, I wrote a kid's book. Sometimes daddy cries. That's yeah. a, thank you for the plug. Thanks for... <laughs> yeah. So I remember I remember when um, we, I was born in Poland and... Uh, we moved to Germany and we were actually deported from Germany. Like we had to leave. Um, 
I remember my parents were very stressed at the time and I knew something was going on. And, you know, you hear stories about people being driven out to the border. That was supposed to be us. Like they were, they were going to drive us to the border and leave us there because they changed the immigration requirements in Germany at the time. So um, I knew we had no money, like we had nothing. And I sensed it, but my mom never, 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 never sat me down and, you know, gave me that reassurance that things were going to be okay. She just kind of focused on her own stuff and her stuff was, you know, making sure that she's got all her, that she kept all her jewelry and like, like shit, like stupid stuff. Right. Oh, I see. Um, so that's something that um, resulted in a lot of, um, I was diagnosed with PTSD and I think that could be as a result of all that, that I went through as a child moving between Poland and Germany and then Germany to Canada. When we ended up in Canada, it was a last minute decision. Like it was literally, I was in school and my, I came home from school and my, my parents said, you know, like we're leaving now. Hmm. And we ended up with just a couple of suitcases and like nothing. And my, my dad um, is the sort of individual where he won't accept help from anybody. Like he, he wouldn't like we moved here. We're doing it on our own. We're not asking for help for anything. We're 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 gonna make it. We're we're gonna do it on our own. We don't need somebody to to hold our hand and to give us stuff. And and did you move? Where, where did you to move? Calgary. Oh, to Calgary. Calgary. Okay. Yeah. And the only reason why is because of what what I liked, uh, what we liked on um, on television for the eighty eight Olympics. It's like let's uh, go to Calgary because of the remember like yeah. 88 Olympics, <laughs> so that's the only reason why we chose that city. And gradually things you know went up, improved. Um, my mom also was very. Uh, I was born um, with a lot of um, complications, so I was really sick as a child. I spent a lot of time in and out of hospitals, uh, and she was afraid to touch me, so I've never been kind of genuinely hugged by her, like never had that one physical contact with her. And from what I understand is that something that's, um, uh, that can really impact child's life down the, in, in the long run. Like early childhood psychology kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah. 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 Like abandonment issues and things. And yeah. 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 Hmm. So that's why I just, I, I pursued being, you know, independent and, that's how I do. I all I I know that the only person that I can rely on is myself. That's the only person. So no matter what what somebody tells me that they're going to help me, because I've I've you know I've tried to believe that somebody's going to help me. Like people always make promises, are fast to make promises, but they don't keep their words. And it's I've been now conditioned to approach everything like that. You can only trust Luigi. Exactly. This dude. Yeah. Hmm. Um, so I'm just going to wrap it up a little bit here. Is there anything yeah. that, that you wanted to say that I haven't asked or we haven't talked about yet? I'm hoping that, you know, somebody who listens to this show, to this, this podcast and who is in a position to, um, make changes to the maid system or within the maid system that they really think of individuals like myself know what they want and that's all i'm asking i've never asked for anything in my life and that's that's all i'm asking 
therapists that they understand but they take this into consideration. Thank you so much, Agata. Uh, yeah, like I said at the beginning, I, I appreciate you, your honesty and your openness so much and being so vulnerable. I really, really hope your life turns around. I hope that uh, you, you aren't such best friends with uh, anorexia and that uh, you can actually separate yourself from the disorder soon and realize that you are not your anorexia. You are Agata. I don't know what to say. I, I just hope that... Uh, you you find some peace in life soon uh, and and just thank you again uh, a couple things i wanted to share with you before i end the episode uh for those of you that don't know i i wrote a children's book it's called sometimes daddy cries and it's about a kid watching his dad go through depression and uh, sometimes i get reviews on amazon so i i got a a couple newer ones here so i'm gonna i'm gonna read those to you because i'm proud as hell about it so anyway um, this reviewer says, I ordered this book shortly after I started listening to Bunny Hugs and Mental Health Podcast. I appreciate this book so much because it is truthful and raw, but written in a kid-friendly way. The illustrations are fun and easy. I'm very glad I ordered this book. I can't wait to show it to my family members and friends. Well, <laughs> that's, that's very, very nice of you. Thank you, reviewer. Uh, here's another one. Uh, they're, by the way, they're both five stars. Uh, this reviewer says age-appropriate explanation for kids about how to understand the adults in their lives strongly recommend to have in every classroom and in every therapist office in the universe I added in the universe part but thank you so much for that reviewer uh, I very much appreciate it her name is Sheila and the other one was Desiree so thank you so much ladies and uh, yeah, you can go on Amazon and buy Sometimes Daddy Cries by yours truly, illustrated by the lovely Jesse Stuick. Uh, anywho, hey, you know who somebody you should also check out? Allie S. Academics on Instagram. She is an ADHD coach. She's amazing. She's talked to my son a couple times. She, she's got like three month packages. She's got six month packages. She's very accommodating and she's very lovely. And, and if, if you just want to follow her to, to uh, you know, follow her on Instagram and, and see some ADHD information once in a while, that's, that'd be great too. So it's Allie, A-L-L-Y-S, Academics on Instagram. Okay, I think that's it. Um, other than, you know, you got to make sure to make your beds and take your meds. Bye.